Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat, the podcast where we take animals you see every day, animals you've heard of, and animals you didn't know existed, and break them down in a single episode. Our goal as animal lovers is to spread knowledge and awareness about the creatures we share this floating rock with. We hope you learn something new. Hello and welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat. I'm Jack. I'm Julia. And for his first appearance on uh, this podcast, and hopefully being a continued part of this podcast, he was the one who I originally had the idea with, and I really wanted to be a part of this. We have Colton. Say hi, Colton. Hi. All right, Julia, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the Black Widow Spider, um, which just, in general, there are multiple species of Black Widow, but we're going to be talking about the whole, because because they're so similar um, there's multiple parts in North America and also in different countries. They're pretty much found all around the world. Um, and just general appearance, um, typical spider looking. I'm sure we've all heard of black widow spiders, spiders before. Um, they have that typical red on them, the female, the hourglass shape, and then the males have like dots or stripes on their back. And going into their size, usually they span from about 1.5 inches two inches in length. They are about 0.25 inches. About 0.03 ounces in weight. So they're very small spiders. Pretty nondescript if you first look at them. Their lifespan can range from one to three years. Sometimes males will be a little shorter, two to three months. It's actually due to a fact we can get in later. They yep. cannibalize. Yeah, well, yeah we'll talk about that. And going like what Colton said with the nondescript thing, like from above, because they're basically almost like jet black. From above, You'd have no idea what kind of spider they are, really. It's they, they are a pretty typical-looking spider. Julia touched on that. Um, it's What I've seen is they're almost longer than they are wider because you'll get some of the spiders where they almost look like... Like, if their legs spread out, they're almost like a perfect circle sort of thing. The Black Widow is the kind where it's almost like... Um, will be almost more like an oval rather than a circle. So they're longer than they are wider. Uh, I will point out, too, I, fi- I what I've seen from them... Their abdomens, too, tend to be a lot bigger. Yeah, Yeah. bigger and rounder. Um, So that that usually helps them stand out as well. And as Julia mentioned earlier, there are uh, three species of spiders that are called black widows. Um, You have the northern, western, and southern black widows. They all have pretty similar markings, where it's the females are black with a red marking on the underbelly, usually in the shape of the hourglass, whereas the males are black and have orange pink red spotting more on their back there are also other widows in the uh insect or in the spider world there's also a brown widow and a red widow so there are multiple widows and they are all named for the whole cannibal uh ritual that we that we will also get into later and just talking about where they're found like i mentioned earlier they're pretty much found all over the world um like i said we do have ones in north america um, they are slowly creeping higher into Canada, um, and then there's also some in you know Mexico, South America, Australia, Europe, Africa. I mean, literally anywhere that it is warm enough for the spider to live, 
it is living. Yeah, and as far as how they catch their food, they are typically there to ensnare and trap their food as opposed to going out and either hunting it or waiting for something to walk by and snag it by themselves. You'll usually find their webs in small, dark areas, tunnels that have been previously made by either bigger mammals or other bugs. They'll be in a very disheveled-looking tunnel as opposed to a beautiful web that we mostly know spiders to make. They typically will bite their prey, and it'll paralyze them, and they'll wrap them up and wait for them to set and almost liquefy before they can go back to them later. And uh, going on that, too, I learned about, uh, I've never heard about this before, but I think it was comb-footed spiders. Uh, black widows are part of a, uh, I think it's their the family of spider or genus. I don't know how far up it goes. But you have the comb-foots. So their, their back, their two back legs are, uh, they have, they're comb-footed. They have these little bristles on them that are essentially adapted to wrapping their prey in the webbing. So as the web is coming out, they are combing, they're like spreading out, combing the silk and wrapping their prey in it. And as for how they eat, it's the pretty typical how spiders do eat, where it's the whole, they, they inject a, um, uh, an enzyme into a captured insect's body and it liquefies the insides and then they suck out the insides. So it's pretty typical of how most arachnids eat. Uh, and then as for what they eat, it's pr- the pretty typical insect. So basically any smaller insect that gets caught in their web, that is what they are going to eat. As they are not very big, their prey tends to not get very big, and their webbing isn't terribly big. So they're not catching anything crazy large. And jumping into their um, reproduction, there is some kind of male courtship with the male and female spider. Um, it's typical that the male spider will leave his web to go and find a female to mate with. Um, and when he actually does find a female, what he'll do is they he taps the web in a kind of pattern to vibrate it. And then he will also vibrate his abdomen to kind of try and seduce the female into wanting to mate with him. Um, if that doesn't work, there's a lot more um, forceful approaches where he will literally just cut the net or the webbing down to where she can't escape when they, when they mate. Mm-hmm. Yes, and when the male actually does find a female to mate with, they find that in the labs they tend to cannibalize each other, but this study is only seen usually in the lab setting. In the wild, we actually don't see that as much as the male can usually escape, and they have found that males will seek out females that have actually already eaten through enzymes in the web, things like that. They could tell that they've already caught prey. The males will seek out the females that are full as to not get eaten themselves. I also saw an interesting thing. It wasn't black widows. It was brown widows. But we can we can extrapolate that black widows might do the same thing. They found male black widows will come across juvenile females who they can reproduce, but they're not as big yet. And he will force breed on her because he knows he's a better chance of not getting eaten. So I thought that was really interesting as well. And then when the female black widow does have babies, she can lay anywhere between 200 and 900 eggs at any given time. And this goes back to something Julie and I have talked about extensively on this. Black widows play the numbers game. I'm going to lay, I'm going to have as many children as possible in the hopes that some of them survive. Uh, so when she lays her eggs, she puts them in sacks and, uh, so they're the individual eggs inside a larger egg sack that she spins webbing around. Uh, when they hatch, all bait or spiderlings is what baby spiders are called. All spiderlings in a given egg sack tend to be about the same size. 
The reason why we think that is is Spiderling Black Widows are extremely cannibalistic. If there is one that is ends up being bigger than the rest, it will usually eat its smaller siblings. When they all tend to be about the same size, we see the cannibalism rate drop a ton. So we believe that these Black Widows are... The females are smart enough where they've learned to put babies they know will develop about the same size in the same egg sacs to decrease the chances of this uh, cannibalistic nature. As far as the venom that these spiders use, um, when it comes to humans, it's actually not as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. The venom that they utilize, as far as like all of the spiders of this genus utilize, is a latrotoxin. And when it comes to humans, it attacks their syst- the body systematically, usually going from your muscles, causing aches, pains, and stiffness, going down into your organs, and when in extreme cases can start to cause a lot of damage if left untouched. Not many people die from this a year. I believe it's only about maybe around five accounts per year on average. So it's not as scary as a lot of people make it out to be. I think I saw another figure where it's only about, and this is a worldwide figure, only about 2,500 people in the world will get the Black Widow anti-venom. So it's not even very many people are getting bit. And if people are getting bit and going to the doctor for it, some doctors, depending on your health, they'll say, they'll give you medicine to treat the symptoms and they'll be like, there you go. Because for the most part, unless I think it's young children are, are susceptible, people with poor immune systems, and then the elder are the ones that are greatly affected. Um, and usually uh, they will only bite if they are disturbed. They are not actively seeking out to bite people. It's usually you'll see cases where they like get inside someone's shoe and then someone puts the shoe on. And, of course, they're going to freak out and start, bi- start biting. So that's the situations where those are happening. And one interesting thing that I learned and I've actually I've known this for a while, and I thought it was really interesting to bring up this episode, is how anti-venom is made. This is a really fun animal fact. So the anti-venom that is used for almost all venomous creatures in the world, we get it from horses. What they do is in facilities, they will give horses trace amounts of venom, whether it be spider venom, snake venom, whatever. And because the horses are so much bigger, the venom is not going to affect them at all. But... Their immune systems are going to react and create antibodies for the venom. And what we will do is we'll take blood out that has the antibodies in it, um, clean out so we just get the antibodies, and that's how we make the antivenom is because of horses, which I thought that was really fun and really cool way that we utilize them. And just another couple of fun facts about their venom is the black widow is considered the most venomous spider in the United States. Um, Makes sense why it doesn't in other countries, you know, North America, in general, doesn't have a lot of venomous spiders. Um, But their venom is also said to be 15 times stronger than rattlesnake venom. And, you know, we talk about there's not a lot of deaths, and people are like, well, how is that possible? It's because it's not as potent, and it's a relatively smaller, smaller, smaller amount compared to the bite of a full snake. And something we didn't mention before, but um, it does have natural predators in the wild, Um, These include wasps, birds, um, other spiders, and some small mammals. Um, Other than that, you know, bigger animals aren't going to mess with it because it's not a great nutritional source for them. Um, Humans don't really affect the spider too much. Um, I mean, we could probably see it in different parts of the world where their habitat is being lost. Um, But other than that, you know, humans are keen to kill spiders when they see them, but they're not a huge threat. Well, even when we encroach on their quote-unquote environment, 
black widows can thrive inside a house as well. Like there are, you'll find black widows in probably almost any house in America, probably almost. Um, so even though we've destroyed like forests, they will find plenty of homes somewhere else, whether it be like a garage, a basement, a closet, they will find something that is uh, well suited to them. And then going with uh, one more thing about the predators is the coloring adaptation. So the, some reason, the reason that some animals have these bright coloring, so example, the black widow has the, the red or yellow or orangish um, coloring, is to ward off predators. When a predator sees bright colors, a predator automatically assumes, oh, that is something dangerous. Hence why you see something like the poison dart frog is like a bright, bright blue or yellow or green. It's saying, hey, don't touch me. I'm venomous or I'm poisonous. So that's one uh, reason why the Black Widow has adapted that coloring is to try to fend off some predators and warn them, hey, don't mess with me. All right, I think that about wraps it up. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and be sure to tune in next week for our episode on the Vampire Bat. And as always, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You'll find all the handles for those social medias in the description below. I'd also like to thank my friend, the musical artist known as Shades, for creating this amazing intro and outro for this podcast. I highly recommend checking out his other work.